Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irving Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. Fondlessness, fondlessness, fondlessness. Having fondlessness, having fondlessness. Oh, fuck you guys. Merry Christmas. I am crawling, as I said last week, crawling to the end of the year. I'm done. I need to rest and reset. Guys, there's going to be no new episode next week. The first of the year, you're on your own. This is my last recording of the year. I'm doing it a week before this comes out. I can't do one more thing. I'm so exhausted from the year. It was just nonstop. I didn't have any time off. And it was all working for free until the last two months of the year. So it's just been a fucking, just fuck this year. Good fucking bye 2019. The last six weeks of 2019 have been fucking great. But you know what? They've been so great. I count them as 2020. My 2020 began when 2019 stopped sucking. My God. Is this how I start an episode? L- listen, if you're a new listener, there's, you, you know that there's been 315 episodes that you haven't heard. So it's up to you to go back and go, what's happening? I'm comfortable now. I'm in the zone. I'm not using this episode to attract new listeners. I'll start doing that shit come Patreon time in January, which I still... Don't know the launch date and I'm waiting to hear back, but there's, I don't, I don't know what's happening. Sipping my hot water. Here we go. Oh my God. Having fun listeners with Jen Kirkman. Episode 316. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everybody. If you don't celebrate Christmas, well, then I'm not, ta- I'm not, not only am I not addressing you, I'm not talking to you. I don't recognize anyone that doesn't celebrate Christmas. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, everybody. So 
real quick, real quick. Sorry, you can tell that I'm vamping. You can tell, what is she trying to play? What, what clip is she trying to bring up with her stupid vamping? That's very annoying. Well, this is what. Video will play after ad. I'm not even allowed to click. I can't click through this video. This, what is this, fascism? My God. I don't want to live in a world that does this. Merry Christmas, everybody. Oh, I didn't mean for that Mr. Potter part to be in there. That's right. We all know George gets out of it. The winner, the victor. And remember, as Clarence the Angel writes in George Bailey's copy of Tom Sawyer, no man is a failure who has friends. There's one person listening that's like, I guess I'm a failure because I have no friends. Sorry, that one person. I'm your friend. Whew. All right. I know it's already Christmas. You've already done your shopping. Did you get some money for Christmas? Why don't you buy yourself a, gri- a grift? A grift. Freudian slip. Because I'm about to grift all of you by asking for your money. But I'm giving you something in return. I'm giving you shows. Phoenix just went on sale. Phoenix. 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 I'm singing it to the theme song of Sanford and Son. A great sitcom starring Red Fox from the 70s about a father and son um, owners of a junkyard. It's so good. Phoenix, I'm back at Copper Blues Live. Now, there's two different locations. It was a whole thing last year. I'm playing the one that's on 21001 Tatum Boulevard, so it doesn't even fucking matter. Listen, all you need to know is Phoenix. Saturday night, March 28th, 7 o'clock at night. You'll love it. You'll love an early show. You're coming. It's going to be great. We're going to sell it out this time. We're not going to have that 2019 energy. We're going to go big 2020. I don't perform for fun. I do it for money. Do you know how tired I am of performing? I just happen to be good at it. But I do it because it's what I do for a living. And I need you guys to come and fucking support me. Do you know how many famous female comedians there are that are selling thousand seat theaters the minute they go on sale? What the fuck are they doing that I'm not doing? Who are their fans that they just, I got money, let's do this. And their fans are younger. Why are my Gen X people not, I got kids. Just fuck your kids. 25 bucks. You have three months to save $25. You're coming to my show. There's no drink minimum there. I don't think there is. Don't quote me on it. Just go. It's fucking great. You've got to be 21 plus, though, because it does have the kahal. March 28th. Let's sell this out. I am winding down touring and not doing a lot this year because, to be honest, it costs me money in 2019. It was the worst touring year of my life. 
Now, this is the weirdest Christmas episode ever. It just so happens that Christmas is the last week of the year, and it just so happens that I am fucking exhausted. <laughs> so let's do this. Tell a friend. If you've never done all the things that I've asked you to do, make 2020 your year. Actually tell friends. Send them emails. This great comedian's coming to town. You've seen her on Netflix. If you don't actually get off your ass and go, this is the time. This is a candidate sending you an email going, I'm not kidding. I'm about to drop out of the fucking race if you guys don't contribute. Except I'm not just asking you to send me money so I can make a TV ad. I'm saying come and then I'll entertain you for an hour. I mean, my God, it's such a fair deal. It make this the year that you actually tweet about it on social media and tell other people to go and don't write some of you this year. Jen told me to write this. Can you can you not do that? I know this sounds like angry Christmas, but I kind of love it because I told you all this summer. You can go back to the August and September episodes where I said, I'm not feeling Christmas this year. This is me on Christmas. Take it. Love it or leave it, America. So here's the deal. Make 2020 the fucking year that you actually buy tickets in advance. Post about it on all your social media. If you're on Twitter, if you're on Instagram, hashtag Jen Kirkman 2020. I will retweet you, repost you. Jen Kirkman 2020. It's that easy. And it helps get the word out. Great. All right. So Phoenix just went on sale. You know what else is on sale? Sacramento, five shows January 2nd through 4th. Now, there are fancy seats that are closer to the front. Those are going fast. So you might want to get online and do your do. JenKirkman.com. If you don't want to click tour, it's right all there on the homepage. JenKirkman.com, right there on the homepage. The links go directly to the ticket sellers. January 9th, my show, hashtag Real Talk at the Hollywood Improv Lab. Now, this should be blowing up. I am interviewing celebrities one-on-one and having intimate conversations that aren't like, tell me about your next project. And there's only 50 seats. It should be sold out automatically. It should be done now. I'm interviewing the most fucking amazing Ioni Sky. You know her from Say Anything. You know her from so many other things. She's been a working actress her whole life. She's a fascinating person. She's fucking dope as shit. That's only 15 bucks. Me and her, you're getting a fly on the wall earful of a conversation, but not even an earful, an eyeful. You can watch us two beautiful gals chat. This should be sold out by now. 2020 is the year. I don't take no shit. I'm telling you guys, disappointed. That should be sold out. If it was anyone else, it'd be like, oh my God, what a big deal. I don't know what's happening. I won't be invisible in 2020. This is the worst episode. You're like, my family is already yelling at me. Why are you yelling? But I also have a weird feeling that some of you are going to write this was one of my favorite openings because you're losing it and it's honest and I feel you and we all feel this way at the end of the year. It's just like, you know what? Rah! You're gonna hear me roar. Oh, see, my voice is still not back. It's still not back. But anyway, no, that show's gonna be fucking great. Go see it. And that's January 9th in Hollywood, Hollywood Los Angeles, California. Eight o'clock. You roll in after work. You get a drink, you get some nachos, you have a good time. And then January 12th, one night only, San Diego, American Comedy Company, 7 o'clock show. All y'all, all year, you coming to San Diego. And then I went and did this festival that sucked ass. And I was like, guys, don't come to that. Come to the other. Because the festival was a flat rate. I got paid 
good money even if no one showed up because it wasn't like the festival was that's how festivals work you don't really have to promote so i mean you do a little bit but they're not like oh my god we're so disappointed no one came like most people don't want to go to a festival and deal with parking and sitting in a tent at 3 p.m and seeing comedy like that's not how it's supposed to be done what am i an elephant that's not where you're supposed to go see me you're not supposed to see elephants either they're supposed to be roaming uh where they roam where i roam is nightclubs i have a nightclub act so you're gonna come see me sunday night January 12th at 7 p.m. So I told you all I'd come back under better circumstances, and I did. So don't let me down. And my cousin Tom Kirkman is coming. He is uh, an older cousin. He's like my second cousin. He's actually my dad's cousin, so he's like in his 70s. And he loves the theater. He's a man of the theater. And if he comes to see me for the first time live, and it's not sold out, I'm going to feel like a goddamn fool up in here. Y'all gonna make me act the fool. So, if you don't want me to begin my podcast every week with begging you to come to shows, goddamn, get some tickets. How's that? That's how it works. You're in control. This is one of the only things in life you can control. Okay, so I did it. I did it, everybody. Now, please help me in my social media life at Jen Kirkman Podcast on Instagram. I respond back. I'd love you guys to be on there. I'll be more active if you come on over. And um, on Twitter, uh, I think it's at, at Funless Pod. Let me just check a loony, check a rooney. Um, at Funlessness Pod on Twitter. That's great. And then we're going to, you're going to join Patreon when all that happens. All right. Sounds good. Then you're going to join my newsletter. Just go to jenkirkman.com, click Kirk Mail. Maybe anywhere from two to three times a month, I email you and I'm starting to make them like actual emails where I like write stuff. Last month, I did like helpful anxiety tips. And then another time I did fear of flying tips. So, you know, I'm trying my best. I'm trying my best so that you actually open them and want to read them. And you aren't like, meh, 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 you know. So here we go. Let's look at the year in review. The year in review. Here are some quotes from the podcast this year. Well, actually, they might be a combination of many years, but let's just pretend it's from this year. The year in review. Be the cunt you want to be. The minute it's summer, it's Christmas. If one more person tells me about toxins coming out, yeah, they come out. That's what pores are for. Your parents have money. You are broke. In 20 years, you'll probably have some savings. Calm down. Listen, people are 94 years old sometimes. In the scheme of life, someone can terrorize so many people, but ultimately, they're just a collection of cells who can't remember that they were friends with Pavarotti. PMS, pissed off motherfucking syndrome. Don't talk about Jesus, fucking be him. Just saying is the most obnoxious thing you could say. Well, besides, I'm a Nazi and I love it. Okay, I cannot and I will not with this. 
Half of any battle you're in is just staying in it. Be a turtle with your heart, but don't have a hard shell on it. You know what people always say, Mercury's in retrograde. And also, sometimes things just suck. How does that sound to everybody? Also, sometimes things just suck. I should have known this was a dumb person's hotel when there was no desk. I'm so sick of swimming pools and sunshine that I could literally cut a bitch. Why is diarrhea less gross to talk about than saying that you want to take a dump? There's something empathetic about talking about diarrhea. You don't see it as poop. You see it as someone is sick in their butt. Whatever. We're all mostly filled with shit anyway. Well, I don't know if a mosquito bit me, but I do know I wasn't outside in a tank top having wine. I don't feel special when everyone's up my fucking twat. Do I have to tell people how to run their fucking store? I do. I think I have to tell people how to run their fucking store. And I don't get time. I have my own life to live. It's like I can see his ancestry in his eyes. Pilots and surgeons, listen to this podcast at your own risk. I always hated that lyric, don't go chasing waterfalls. I mean, I know what it means. Like, I get the metaphor. But you don't have to then go talk about another water situation. There's a certain point in the night at a party where I just want to dry all of your dishes. There you go. That's been the Having Fun Listeners podcast year in review. Those are all a collection of random quotes that I've just read to you out of context from episodes. So this week I'm going to tell one big story about Armageddon and the New Year's of 2000 when we did not all die. And then I'm going to read your emails about why you're ready to put 2019 to bed. So this, of course, in perfect having funlessness dysfunction, the Christmas episode is actually the New Year's episode. Oh, that's how we do. That's how we do. This is how we do it. Sorry. Sorry. Okay. Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's home equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. So let's begin. Now, a lot of this, I, I used to have a one-person show that I did forever and ever. Many iterations of it. I did it around L.A. like 15 years ago. Then I did some of it on the road. Some of it's made its way into my act. But I don't know if I've ever told it as an entire story on this pod- podcast, but I will. So I grew up Catholic. Now, we were not overly religious. We did have a painting of Jesus that looked like Brad Pitt. I think it's still in my parents' bedroom. It's white, hot, well, like spray tanned hot Jesus with blonde hair. And he's hanging right next to my parents' bed. And we went to church once a week. We don't go anymore. Not even on Christmas. Can't get my mom to go on Christmas Eve even. 
it's whatever's in your heart. You know, that's what God is. I mean, she's right. That is what God is. I wish I was raised that way. But now that's what she's like. When my sister and I tried to go to like midnight mass on Christmas Eve a few years ago because she lives right near this you know, very progressive like Episcopalian, or maybe even, no, it's just Unitarian church. It's in a colonial town. The benches are creaky. It was candlelit mass. Everyone wants to go to that. Everybody. And my mom goes, we need girls are religious now or something? Like, like, like nagging us. So we weren't that kind of family that prayed before dinner once a year on Thanksgiving only. We weren't that family that even talked about religion. You know, if I got in trouble at school or if I lied, nobody brought God into the conversation. It wasn't like, well, God wouldn't want you to lie. There was never, there was never what I call extracurricular talk about God. I think that was just you know, the way my parents did things. Now, my sisters had to go to Catholic school. I didn't. I went to CCD class once a week. I don't even remember what it stands for. Catholic curriculum. Duh. I don't know. I don't know what it meant. I don't care either. So I would go to that. And again, like, not even that in-depth of anything. It wasn't like when Jesus chased the money changers out of the temple that was about religion isn't a marketplace it's it's religion it's in your heart we didn't learn any of that it was like help your neighbor with their groceries and then as you got older it was like nobody have sex nobody do it and that that was all I remember and I remember there was this nun sister Julie if my mother's listening, she's going to go, um, Jennifer, don't say her name. But I believe she's no longer alive. Sister Julie was thought of as progressive because she didn't wear the nun's habit. If those of you don't know that word, that means the little uniform that the nuns wear. Picture nonsense, if you will. That's called a habit. So Sister Julie didn't wear a habit. She wore like a smart wool skirt, not tight, not a pencil skirt, but a normal skirt past the knee, pantyhose, high heels, but not too high, pumps, you know, some kind of wool blazer and a button-down shirt with a buttoned up to the top. And, you know, I thought that was great. But besides that, she wasn't very nice. And she didn't, listen, as my mother would tell it, she didn't like me. But now going back through my opinions of things, my mother thinks no one likes her. And then when you think no one likes you, you act weird, and then you manifest that they treat you different, and then they don't like you. So who knows what's what. But I will give my mother that, that Sister Julie was not an easy woman. So... She had this thing one day in uh, school, in CCD. I think we went to this little chat. I always liked when we would leave the classroom and have class in the chapel. I forget why we would do that sometimes, but we did this one time, and Sister Julie was leading the class. Usually it was just somebody's mom that volunteer taught. And she said, you all can ask me anything, um, 
and you don't have to sign your name to the pieces of paper. Anything you want. No boundaries. And I think somebody wrote a sex question, but nothing too dirty. Just, will I really go to hell if I have sex? Is there any loop? I think someone was basically like, can I do everything but? And she was like, who wrote this? And I'm like, well, that's not the point of anonymous, bitch. Who wrote this? We all got in trouble because none of us would admit who wrote it. I think it was my friend Meredith who wrote it. I don't even know why we wrote it. None of us were having sex, but I think we were just curious. Uh, I don't think she ever answered the question. So that was sort of religion to me. It was just a lot of foolishness, you know? But I did have a connection in that when I would sit there, my favorite part of church, and I am getting to the world ending in the year 2000, but as I said, this is a story. My favorite part of church, I would always get so moved that I would feel that tremble in my stomach and I would start to cry because I'm a hippie dip doodah. I love nice things. And I don't mean high thread count sheets. I mean, I like that too. But I like being nice and having people be nice. And my favorite part of the Catholic Mass is after the priest gives his sermon, we sit back down after saying some prayer. And then he says, and peace inside me, I offer the peace to you all and extend it to each other. And you would stand up and shake everyone's hand next to you, in front of you, behind you, people you don't know, and say, peace be with you. (gasps) Oh, I loved it. I thought it was so moving. You just say to a stranger, peace be with you. It changes your heart. I think that's good for you. I think that's, you know, I'm not saying going to organize religion is necessarily good for everybody, but something like teaching your kids that and letting them viscerally experience turning to a stranger and touching them and saying, peace be with you, even though I'm very anti-handshaking. But anyway, so I loved that part. And I now I could be I could be way more damaged by growing up Catholic than I think I am. There's probably a lot about me that has been very influenced by it and I don't even know. But I'm not a I don't believe in an afterlife. I'm not afraid of hell. I don't have like sex hang-ups. Like I I really feel like I got out pretty scot-free. And if I did have any of these issues, like they just sort of went away. So I don't know, no, no drama over here. But um, I do remember being able to, I, and again, I, I might be romanticizing my own brain, but I swear that I remember sitting there and absorbing the important parts. I remember absorbing, I loved when Jesus would get mad. And I remember thinking he's allowed to be mad and think that his followers are dumb with the fucking questions all the time. And I remember his closeness with Mary Magdalene. And I remember that he loved everybody. And I remember that he said you got to love even people that are awful to you. I feel like I got all the good stuff, you know? And I feel like I just discarded the rest. I feel like on Christmas I rolled my eyes when they tried to make the story of Jesus' birth all about Now, we've got to emphasize this woman was a virgin. 
Who cares if she was or wasn't? I mean, you could do the same story where she has sex with her husband like a normal person, although he wasn't her husband yet. Joseph and her were just engaged, but whatever. She has sex. He impregnates her, and then God or an angel comes down and says, that baby you made is a prophet. Like, I'm cool. with That story's just as crazy. It's just as magical to me. Whatever. But, you know, historically, there's mythology about virgin births and every religion, blah, blah, blah. I don't need to get into it. So I always just thought it was like a creepy, and maybe this is where I am repressed about sex, but they weren't talking about it in a, hey, man, let's talk about sexuality. Like, it was a very creepy emphasis on she was a virgin. And I know what they're trying to say is, no, 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 we're not saying it was a like good and that only virgins are good. We're just saying that you it's you can't get pregnant if you're a virgin, so obviously it was a miracle. I get it, but let's be honest. They were definitely like women are virgins, and they just, like, was she a virgin her whole life? They never addressed that. Like she never lost her virginity after that? Come on. So then, you know, so Jesus is born to a virgin. God forbid he's born like anyone else is fucking born. So anyway, that was always the thing that just creeped me out. And like Joseph was going to quietly divorce her when he found out she was pregnant. I mean, if you really know the history of those times, he was they were going to stone her to death. <laughs> and he didn't believe her when she said an angel got me pregnant. And then he had a dream where the same angel came to him and was like, dude, I'm I'm serious. Like this is God's baby. He believed an angel, an apparition dream over his own fucking wife-to-be. I mean, so already the story is nine ways to fucked, you know? I just like when we get to the actual wise men and the North Star. That's the best part, right? Now we're getting into astronomy and stars and magical university stuff. Like, that was always my favorite. I always felt this sense of wonder of being in the universe, and that's what I love, the sense of wonder. Like, why did it feel quieter on Christmas Eve? And I know it all has to do with the solstice and the planets and the shortest days of the year. And that I got it. But that's a miracle, too. I loved going outside and actually seeing the North Star in the sky. I just fucking loved it. Loved that special, wonderful feeling. So that, to me, was religion. And then Easter, boring. I always was uncomfortable when we had to uh, play the parts of the people that were uh, making fun of Jesus as he carried his cross. Crucify him. It felt like the church was way too into yelling, crucify him. (laughs) I just thought it was weird. Like people's aggressions were coming out. But anyway, we did religion on holidays in church. I went to church every week. The every week part was like, we go to the mass with no choir. It's quicker. And then you do your life. 45 minutes. You know, you sit there, blah, blah, blah. In and out. Just sit and be quiet, you know? Sit and be quiet for 45 minutes once a week. Never hurt anybody. Try to filter out some of the weirder shit you're hearing the priest say. We all get out of life. But my grandmother was a different person. My grandmother, my mom's mom, you know, not college educated. I don't even know how well she was educated in high school. Didn't hold down a job. 
never learned to drive, wanted to be um, a seamstress, made her own wedding dress, really cool black, like a black cocktail dress was her wedding dress. You know, husband that was like, you can't work, you can't drive. Come on, it's the 30s. It's the 30s, honey. I'll drive and I'll beep the horn. So after my grandfather died, whom I never met, so he, my grandmother has been a widow and living alone since she was 60, right? She died at 99. So she had a lot of free time. And she started listening to the Art Bell podcast. I mean, podcast. She started listening to podcasts before they were invented. The radio show. And she started to get into, like, conspiracy theories. And, you know, the lost city of Atlantis, she would talk about. I mean, it was all mixed together. And she started getting into almost this, like, Billy Graham kind of... I mean, the thing about being from the North is that we won the Civil War. Thank you. You know, we're the industrialized part of America, right? A lot of people in the North did not have slaves. A lot of people in the North fought the good fight. We see ourselves as intellects. You know, I I will just say growing up, it was a little bit of being from the North snobbery. So this whole notion, like owning a gun, we were like, what? We don't own guns. We own books. So the fact that my Nana, and, and my Nana is originally from Quebec, Montreal, so she spoke French, and I would spend a lot of time at her house having tea and learning French. And she would say, she thought everything was stupid. And she was a smart lady. She thought so many things that legitimately were stupid were stupid. And uh, she taught me ferme la bouche, which is shut your mouth. So we would yell at the TV when someone stupid was on ferme la bouche. But again, older, brain, free time conspiracy. It always happens, right? So she started getting into this like Billy Graham Pentecostal thing because he became sort of a, you know, almost like an Oprah in the sense that everybody had access to him. It wasn't just the people from the South with all their weird shit. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) but you know what I mean? So she had a Billy Graham book and then I think my mom had one. And it was called like World of Flame. And he's just like shouting on the cover and there's flames everywhere. And so some weird ideas. It was like Catholicism mixed with a little bit of Pentecostal end of the world weirdness. And so she started coming over and teaching me really weird, scary things when I was about nine, ten years old. Now I'm going to tell you about that just after this. But first, let me tell you, I'm really excited about the new year because I am feeling like I need to get organized and I'm going to be using this cool new thing and they are a sponsor, HoneyBook. It's an online business management tool that organizes your client communications, bookings, contracts, invoices, all in one place. It's perfect for freelancers, entrepreneurs, or small business owners. I'm all three, by the way who want to consolidate services that they already use, like QuickBooks, Google Suite, Excel, and MailChimp. That's me. That's me. I use all that. With HoneyBook, you can automate your busy work. They have easy-to-use templates. Oh, my God. I'm a Virgo. I love a template. Templates are porn to Virgos. Templates. Late at night, scrolling through the TV. 
Cinemax, I want to watch Template, the Template channel. That's my porn. They have easy-to-use templates that are for emails, proposals, brochures, and invoices. And especially you young people who didn't grow up with weird classes like I did. Like, we used to have classes where you'd put the paper in your typewriter and learn how to type up, like, a proposal or a thank you letter or an invoice. I'm serious. So now you have that all done for you with HoneyBook. They also have e-signatures and built-in automation to save you time and get you paid faster. You're going to simplify your to-do list and stay in control with HoneyBook. I mean, seriously, you guys, I'm, I'm glad a lot of your dreams came true. You know, maybe this year you started your own business and you're like, I've got no boss. Oh, but I am the boss. I'm the CEO. Oh, my God. No one told me there'd be so much administrative work. And maybe you can't afford an assistant. Yeah, reality check. Running your own business is hard. But HoneyBook makes it easy. So here's the deal. Right now, HoneyBook is offering my listeners 50% off, 5 when you visit honeybook.com slash fun. The payment is flexible. And this promotion applies whether you pay monthly or annually. This is a fucking good deal. This is your present to yourself. Honeybook.com slash fun. You are going to get 50% off your first year. That's half off your first year. That's honeybook.com slash fun. Go get it, people. So anyway. I'm a little kid. The Cold War has just ended. I was horrified by the made-for-TV movie The Day After. I know I've talked about this on stage, talked about it in my books. We're just going to blow past this. But the point is, it was a made-for-TV movie that aired in the 80s, back when there were three channels. And it was about if Russia nuked Lawrence, Kansas, America. And they did nuke, and everybody died. And it was terrifying. And it was meant to be... A warning, I mean, not that we could have controlled nuclear war, but it was just meant to be like, this shit's getting out of control. Well, we didn't have the nuclear war. But that pretty much traumatized me, and I developed anxiety after that. And it wasn't because of the movie, it was because of the reality of, like, we were on the brink of nuclear war with Russia. So, but, you know, it's clear that the Cold War is over. There's no imminent threat. I remember sitting in the living room watching a repeat of the Brady Bunch. I think it was Jan and Bobby or Cindy and Bobby were telling Alice what they wanted to be when they grew up. Cindy wanted to be a model. Bobby wanted to be an astronaut. Look, I'm not saying this show was a feminist playground, but that's what the episode was. And Alice was like, well... I encourage both of you, Cindy, I'm going to make you a salad, and Bobby, I'm going to make you some astronauts what he, again, weird, weird, uh, horrible, sexist things, but whatever. So I'm like taking a cue from that, and I go into the kitchen where my mom and Nana are washing and drying dishes. My Nana's visiting, as she would do sometimes, and I loved when my Nana would visit. We would take a walk about a half mile down the street to Hazel's Bakery. We'd get donuts. My parents would be like, don't get her donuts. And my Nana would be like, whatever, I'm a Nana, we're having donuts. 
And she would tell me stories about my grandfather. My mother hates this, but my Nana would be like, the dude is dead and I'm psyched. I mean, in so many words. She was like, don't ever get married unless you're really, 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 really in love. She, of course, I didn't. Went and did the opposite, but that's okay. At least I got divorced. But my Nana was like, men, they'll control you and they'll this and all that. And I have my own thoughts and my own mind. <laughs> she sure did. So my Nana had sort of like invented her own Catholicism with its own things. And I go into the kitchen. I say to my Nana, my mom, I know what I'm going to be when I grow up. I'm trying to imitate the Brady Bunch. I don't even know what I said. Probably, probably something in entertainment. I mean, I knew I wanted to be some kind of like Broadway actress or showgirl or dancer, or piano, you know, whatever. All the lessons I was taking. And my Nana and my mom said something like, well, yeah, of course. Great. You always knew that. And my Nana looked at my mom and went, does she know? And my mom was like, oh, ma. And my Nana was like, the world's going to end in 1999, probably on New Year's Eve. Um, so you might not live past 24 or, you know, however old I was then. I was like, oh, or 26. <laughs> I was like, OK. So I went back to the living room and then, you know, rethought everything. Prince song 1999 comes out. I'm like, hey, that's what my Nana said. The world's going to end in 1999. And so I was getting scared about New Year's Eve 1999. And then my mom tried to console me. With Jennifer, what, what Nana means is, um, you know, every 2,000 years a prophet comes. And so, you know, they're thinking maybe 2,000 is when Jesus comes back. But, you know, he might come back and we won't know. And he'll be walking among us. That's why you should be nice to every homeless person you see. They could be Jesus. And he doesn't mean he'll destroy anything. It just means he's on earth walking around. I'm like, mm, I think you're trying to make me feel better. So that was the what I was told. Jesus is coming. My Nana's version was Israel. He's coming to Israel. The ground is going to open up. All of the souls are going to fall into a pit of hell, the bad people. And the good people are going to fly away to the sky with Jesus, full body. That's what the rapture is. You don't die. And I was like, what? I'm going to go into the air. I don't like flying. I have asthma. I can't breathe at certain altitudes. It sounded like a panic attack. Like Jesus is coming. You're going to fly up into the air. You know how out of control that must feel? And you're just like, I'm not dead though. Like, can I have the luxury of dying for this? No, I'm, I'm awake and alive. This just seems like a fucking terror show. So then over the years, you know, I kind of got my own brain. And I was like, that seems ridiculous. I mean, that really seems pretty far-fetched. I don't think I believe that. But I did believe that maybe there was something mystical to the year 2000, even though the Jewish calendar, it's not 2000. So that would always console me as well. Like, well, we only say it's 2000. Yeah, it's been 2000 years since Jesus' birth, but come on. So I went and asked a priest. He was the cool priest. And he literally does look like Michael J. Fox and Zach Galifianakis had a baby. That Just picture that. 
And he always had these cool stories, and he actually spoke in parables like Jesus. He didn't preach at us like, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that. He'd be like, you know, and he'd roll up the sleeves of his um, garment, and he'd like kind of put his hand on his cheek. He'd be like, I was thinking when I was fishing the other day that, you know, and I'd be like, wow, he's storytelling. I thought he was so cool. So I was like, I'm going to ask the cool priest, who's probably only about like 35, I'm going to ask him about the end of the world. So I went and asked him when I was like 12. And he was like, yeah, every 2,000 years a prophet comes. That's when they say Jesus will come back. But don't worry, it won't be scary. It'll be like, um, you know, he made it seem like it would be more like peace and love. But it was still like, why is everyone telling me I'm not going to live past 26? So do you think I was in any mindset to not be like a giant, like I'm like, I'm smoking. I'm smoking. I'm not saving money. I mean, that's literally what I was like. Like, I was just a big risk taker until the world didn't end. Then I was like, I better get my shit together. I have pitched this TV show so many times over the years, and it's like become a show 50 times over. But the person who thinks they have no consequences, and then they find out they do. But anyway, so I just remember I, you know, I kind of forgot about all this stuff. And then I moved to New York in 1999. And there was like, as it was getting closer to New Year's Eve, I was like, I don't think I would I mean no one wants to like go to Times Square in New York anyway and I was living in Brooklyn but I was like I don't think I want to be in New York in case like the end of the world happens like I think you know and it was Y2K and that's when it started to come clear I was like okay so like something biblical predicted in this Nostradamus magical way that something crazy was going to happen, but it's not really the end of the world. And there's probably no Jesus person per se, but there's going to be like, this is what I thought. Cause they said in Y2K, all the computers and all the world. And back then computers weren't like, Oh, everyone's got a phone and a laptop. So it was like computers were still also, I mean, still today it is, everything's run on computers, but it was all the computers are going to crash at 11.59 and then anything that is held together by computers will just go off the rails. So imagine nuclear bombs that are being held underground by a code that's computerized. Nope. Boom. Just all the computers go crazy. The nukes launch. Like that's what I thought. And I was like, I want to be with my... so. I had moved to New York and my boyfriend lived in Boston still. He was moving to New York in 2000. And I was like, I don't know if I'm going to come home for New Year's and go to your party. Like, I just like could, I just like didn't know. I was like, maybe my roommate was going to have a little thing. And then at the last minute, my friend Dave from high school, um, he was working a job in New York. He was a couple years older than me. And he's like, I'm driving back to Boston for New Year's. Do you want to go? And I was like, yeah, I think I do. And so he picked me up in Brooklyn and I was like, I'm kind of afraid of Y2K. Like, I'm afraid we're all going to die. And he was like, Jet. And he explained to me, well, by the way, Longfellow Serenade by Neil Diamond was on like this mixtape he had. And I'd never heard that song. And I was like, this is the greatest song ever. And so we just rewound it and listened to it the entire drive. (laughs) And he was like, that's your parents' brain. Y2K, no, all the computers are not going to do that. Do you realize the mass hysteria there would already be if that was really true? 
they would be warning us like none of that's happening you're you're using your grandmother's brain to think and I was like really and he was like yes you got to get it together and there seemed to be no one else on the road and we were just driving and I felt so free I like literally changed on the drive from New York to Boston I was like I have my own mind oh my god It was amazing. So I said, well, before we go into Boston, because I was going to go to my boyfriend's house, I go, can we drop by my parents' house? Oh, you. And so we did, and we smoked cigarettes out the window. We pull up at my parents' house. They are rolling like office-sized bottles of water into the basement. That's how my memory has it. I think they probably just had water bottles. Batteries, just in case for Y2K in six hours. And I just looked at them and I went, I don't believe a goddamn thing's going to happen in six hours. And they didn't really either, but they were like, just in case. And I was like, I don't even feel just in case. I just became my own person. And so I went to the New Year's party and the clock struck midnight. And then I had a massive panic attack because I went, oh, fuck. Somewhere in the back of my head, I didn't think I would live past this point. And I don't have any savings. And I've been smoking. And I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I don't even know if I love my boyfriend that's moving to New York. I don't know anything. But I was free. So I wish you all this New Year's freedom from old thought patterns. Freedom from all ridiculousness. Um, I was going to read some letters for you guys. So let's just end on this. Let's end on you guys talking to each other so that you know that people actually listen to this podcast. I got too many letters to read, but I'll just read a couple of them. Jen is a person who cannot wait to say goodbye to 2019. Here's what's going to be great about 2020. 2019 meant leaving behind my beloved city of New York City for my girlfriend's job and moving to a city I've been so unhappy in. I work a job I hate with a bunch of straight white men who love to tell me how the world works. And because of a crazy schedule, my girlfriend and I haven't spent much time together. I've missed birthdays and weddings and big moments in my friends' lives back east. I've gained weight and I've never felt so insanely alone. The one positive side has been being so on my own in a city I hate has given me time to focus on the thing I've wanted to spend more time doing, writing. I even started my first spleen, spleen play, screenplay. And while it's far from good or done, it's something. And I'm super proud of that. 2020 is going to be really wonderful because it will mean moving back to New York City. A fun cross-country trip with my girlfriend and our dog, a vacation to Hawaii, celebrating my parents' 40th wedding anniversary, welcoming my best friend's second child, getting back to the life I love so much on the East Coast, and knowing I grew so damn much from all the nonsense 2019 brought up against me. Wonderful. That's from Ashley.
Dear Jen, well, you asked for it. Here's my 2019 recap. Truly the worst year of my life, or at least the hardest emotionally, or at least it felt like five years rolled into one. I am telling myself that I am growing and changing for the better. First of all, uh, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, the good and the bad. Oh, she says, have you ever heard of EMDR therapy? Yes, and I've been doing it all year, and it has helped with my issues. My issues that came rolling out of my gut when I got dumped three years ago on Christmas. So, yes, it works. It's all about getting into your subconscious. It's That's all it is. Anyway, the year, good and bad, ended a 10-year relationship. He got our cat and a new girlfriend immediately. Moved and started stressful, but great job in the same week. A hot friend revealed he'd had feelings for me for years. So, of course, he became a complicated rebound relationship with a painful end. Both of my hamsters died. My friend committed suicide in the summer, died by suicide in the summer. Started dating and was ghosted by a Tinder guy. Made art, was in an art show. Adopted a cat Molly. She's so cute. Job ended, currently unemployed. Met a guy I actually liked. We dated for four months, and then he suddenly dumped me for his friend. A fairly crippling bout of anxiety and depression. Tarot reader said I have another seven months of turmoil coming up. All right, cool, cool, cool. Uh, lastly, sorry guys, I know a lot of you wrote letters. We'll, we'll keep reading them. Uh, you know what? Yeah. Nope, that's, okay, I'm gonna end it on that. Sorry, y'all. Sorry, that was the last one. Let me... Um, read you something inspirational for the new year. Live, laugh, love. Ha ha, psych. Until next year, have fun.